Viewpoint. Singapore has updated its national artificial intelligence strategy called the National AI Strategy 2.0. As part of that strategy, there are plans to grow its AI talents, which include tripling the number of data, machine learning scientists, engineers to 15,000, and training locals and welcoming foreign professionals with the skill sets to complement the local workforce, all to become a world leader in AI and contribute to AI breakthroughs. Joining me on Viewpoint to share his perspectives is Nick Ayres from enterprise software company Databricks. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you, Lin Lee. Thank you for having me. Now, Nick, you're in the business of data intelligence platforms. What do you make of the latest announcement? Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I think the timing is very apt. Um, You know, we're obviously right in the midst of the space. Uh, And there's definitely uh, a major hype curve and a lot of excitement and buzz around the potential of data and AI. But you can't be successful with these data and AI platforms and services without the requisite skills. So talent is, you know, a very important part of solving that problem. So great to see uh, Singapore investing in uh, future talent and building out data and AI skills. Uh, So a fantastic announcement. We're super excited about it. And Databricks itself uh, have more than doubled your local headcount in Singapore within the last two years to over 100 employees, and you plan to continue hiring in the next 12 months. That's correct. We see substantial growth uh, in the market. The demand for uh, data and AI uh, services and skills is just unparalleled. Um, So huge demand coming our way. Uh, But, uh, you know, what's interesting about it is, is what it represents in the way of outcomes and uh, great results that we can deliver for our customers, uh, the society and the environment by and large. So super interesting use cases that we're getting stuck into um, with the companies uh, and uh, and the public sector that we work with as well. I'd like you to talk about that growth, this, this growth in customer demand across the region. Tell me more about that. So and we've done some analysis actually to support this, right? So we've, we've actually got an MIT report that we recently released. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has, uh, you know, a lot of data around uh, the adoption trends of data and AI, specifically in the APAC region. Uh, I think some stats to share with you there that are quite interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, 53% of the sea levels that we survey from Singapore are already experimenting with data and AI. And uh, 37% are already in the adoption stage. So, you know, this is real. It's, it's here right now. Um, customers, uh, companies... They're really putting a lot of effort, a lot of focus into uh, how they use data and AI to differentiate their products and services in the market. And the biggest thing, again, that we saw in that group that we surveyed around, you know, uh, inhibitors or potential problems to realizing those strategies is talent. Again, you know, upscaling their workforce. 72% said it's very important that they uh, attract, retain and develop uh, these data and AI skills. So I think we're seeing a clear indication from the market that it's, you know, not just a hype cycle, it's reality. Companies are, are, are getting engaged in developing these data and AI solutions right now, and talent is their topmost concern. What do you think we could focus on in terms of our strengths currently in the AI space? I think strengths-wise, I think we've just got to make sure that the talent that we are bringing in is diverse and representative of the consumers and the citizens that we're going to be serving. And I think there. I would encourage you know everyone, uh, including the private and the public sector, to really make sure that you're investing in diversity and inclusion of 
all groups, underrepresented groups, making sure that women are represented as well, making sure that there's a real focus on diversity and inclusion in the upskilling of this data and AI community. I think it's a really important part that we need to focus in on. And I think that is probably a great strength because you have a nice, diverse and representative uh, set of skills and uh, and talent in this space. That in and of itself will engender you know, greater representation, greater responsibility in how these things are built. So I think that's a massive strength. And I love the way that Singapore focuses in mm-hmm. on, you know, diversity, inclusion and representation. And I think that's going to be a great strength in the approach. Okay, how do you see Databricks playing a role in all of this? Yeah, you know, we're doing a couple of things. You know, we've got this data intelligence platform that's helping our customers, our, uh, you know, academia, um, you know, private and public sector individuals to again, take information and turn it into actionable insights. So we've got this great platform that everyone's consuming. But more than that, we've got phenomenal people that can come in and help educate, right? Educate on the art of the possible as it relates to data and AI. Train and enable, you know, individuals to leverage data and AI in a responsible and ethical way and to ensure that they get to great outcomes that are cost efficient and cost effective. So we help that. In addition, we're doing quite a lot with the community by and large, again, in academia, but also private and public sector to just provide free training and enablement. Just recently, we did a learning festival, which had thousands of individuals signing up to consume training and learning across everything from data engineering to machine learning to generative AI. We're also partnering with a fantastic organization, which is Women in AI in uh, Asia Pacific, specifically to promote that diversity and inclusion in the space, as I referenced earlier. And we're also supporting digital natives and startups. So we were actually running a little bit of a competition, a hackathon right now that's seen over a thousand participants from um, ASEAN and a large contingent of participants specifically from Singapore that are actually building innovative, disruptive tech in the space. And uh, we're going to hand out some prizes and help these companies bootstrap into the future startups of the space. So it's interesting. Uh, you know, we're supporting both big companies, but we're also supporting, you know, the new innovators of tomorrow. Interesting and exciting. Now, talking about generative AI, what are the current trends? And could you also talk to us about the uh, outlook for the coming year? Uh, so again, I think generative AI, there's so many trends going on. It's uh, it's almost impossible to talk to all of it. I think knowledge-based assistance is really one of the most predominant trends that we are seeing. I think most people uh, listening will probably have interacted with ChatGPT, which is that sort of model right? That is underpinned by data and AI. It's underpinned by these large language models, these chat-based assistants that you can interact with, um, ask questions of, and get real insight, real information returned to you that's actionable that you can use and just streamline your your work, but also uh, just make things super simple at home as well. So I know I use this with my kids, um, obviously with homework and and so forth as well. Um, So that's really transforming things, I think, from uh, a work and a life blend perspective. Uh, But from a future trend perspective, I think more foundationally, companies are looking to embed data and AI into everything that they do. And they're really looking to become data and AI driven companies and to have data and AI driven services and products. And I think the big trend of the future is how do we help everyone become a data and AI driven company or body, right? And I think that's the big trend. Everyone historically was trying to become a software company. 
in the future, everyone's going to try and become a data and AI company. I understand that Databricks came up with the very first AI-powered lake house five years ago. Yeah. So for the benefit of our listeners, can you briefly explain what a data lake house is? Yeah, it's a, it's a mouthful. But I think the, the, the simple way to think about it is think of it as a smart application for humans to interact with information, what we call data, and to derive incredible insights, incredible, you know, actionable insights from that information in a very simple and intuitive way. So it's kind of like a super app for information. Yeah, yeah. And how do you see industries in Singapore and this region using that lake house? We see a couple of trends just now in the generative uh, AI space, uh, specifically around how customers are starting to adopt these in- uh, data intelligence platforms, um, starting to use data and AI. Uh, you know, I've probably heard a lot of uh, talk around large language models, but I'll talk to the patterns that we see with these large language models, okay. which are effectively, you know, models that are built on top of these data intelligence platforms. Mm-hmm. We tend to see a couple of patterns. One pattern is really, how do you just assist workers, right, uh, in companies, knowledge-based workers, to just be more productive, right? So these models are incredibly powerful of simplifying knowledge-based work patterns. You can interact with them. You can ask them questions. They can summarize documentation very quickly and give you very apt responses to make your workforce and your workflow far more efficient, right? Far, far, far mm-hmm. more efficient. Mm-hmm. We see other applications where it can be super useful in you know, creatively generating text or creatively generating imagery. So we actually see this as an example would be in design, product design, where these models can actually look at previous visual artifacts that represent perhaps products you've designed over time and come up with new innovative designs on top. But it also bleeds into kind of art and digital art and creating new digital artifacts as a result of that as well. And then I think the other area that we see it being used quite a lot is just summarizing massive amounts of what we call unstructured data. So huge text uh, stores, huge document stores, and providing great summarized information that is actionable, again, as a result. So th- those are kind of the patterns that we see across most of the customers, most of the industries that we're working with. Singapore is also hoping to build a multi-model large language model for Southeast Asia, and they're planning to spend $70 million on it. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think it's awesome, right? Uh, absolutely awesome. I actually discuss this with a lot of the the customers, the partners, and and the community that I work with in in Asia Pacific and Japan. And I think sometimes, uh, you know, we we hear this talk of the new language for data and AI for software is English, and I think it's so short sighted because English is not the predominant language in Asia. It's one of many languages, right? Mm-hmm. And I think really to democratize access, to democratize use of data and AI. We have to recognize that language matters and the language matters based on where you are based. It's the language of your locality. It's the language of your country that matters. And I think building products and services on top of data and AI that allow consumers and citizens to interact with these products and services in their local language 
is super important. So I love I love what we're doing here. I, I think it's phenomenal. And in fact, we're talking to a bunch of folks uh, elsewhere in Japan and in Korea about, and I'm just naming a few, about very similar sort of approaches. So I think it's spot on, absolutely spot on. Okay, plans going forward. You gave a little bit of hint earlier in working with Japan and other countries to come up with another type of LLM. So what other plans have you got in the pipeline? Um, so let me tell you a little bit around uh, the data intelligence platform and, and what that actually is. Mm -hmm. uh, and the simplest way to think of this is, uh, again, it's a way to bring together diverse uh, sets of data, whether it's structured or unstructured, and to make that available to this intelligence platform. And the intelligence platform itself will actually automatically learn about this data and actually automatically derive insights from this data. And it will allow you to interact with the data and ask questions of the data and derive further insights of the data in natural language. So you'll literally be able to just ask it a question in natural language, the natural language of your choice, and get responses back that are intelligent. It will oh. actually return tabular data, visual data. It will allow you to navigate the data and automatically derive descriptions of the data just by leveraging underneath the covers embedded generative AI techniques and large language models. So it actually learns on top of the data. And the more data you put in, the more it learns. And the more you use it, the more it understands around your business, your nomenclature, your taxonomy, your organization. And you're able to derive more insights by just interacting with it in a natural language way. Sounds phenomenal, Nick. All it right. is. <laughs> Thank you so much. Nick is the Vice President Field Engineering of Asia Pacific and Japan at Databricks. Thank you. Viewpoint. 